Welcome to our Painesville Assembly of God podcast. Our desire is to connect people to a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. If this message touches your heart, we'd love to hear about it. Email us at info at or visit PainesvilleAG.com. We pray that this message will be an encouragement to your faith. I feel like when we pray, we should be having an attitude after we pray, like God has already given us the victory for what we've already prayed for, and moving in an attitude like that. So I want to start out by, you know, looking at what does God say for times like these in our culture where it seems to be against us, where we see division left and right through, whether it's politics or culture or even us as Christians where we can have division or divide. So what's God, God say for this, and what does it say for our attitude for prayer for one another? Well, if we look in here at James 5, verse 13 to, we'll be to 15, we'll hang out around there for a little bit. It says, any among you in trouble, let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Any among you sick, let them call for the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up if they have sinned, and they will be forgiven. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. So I like the fact that it points out three things in verse 15. A prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. But it says the Lord will raise them up. And if they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Those in prayer in verse 15, those are very key points to that because it's James is pointing our direction that if we are praying, we have to first pray with faith for somebody. If we want to see God move, we have to have faith that God's going to move and step out and walk in that to lay hands on somebody or to even step up to get prayed for. But also that it has to be the Lord doing it. We're not going to heal nobody, we're not going to get anybody to being saved, we don't do that as humans. God does that, and we just get to be used in that process. But I like that James points out the, the purpose of the Lord will raise them up. And then it talks about the prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. How are we living? Is our life lining up with how we're supposed to be living as Christians? Are we living a righteous life? Is, these are all things that equip our lifestyle and our prayer life should be reflecting. And so I really left my phone on the pew there, but everyone have an iPhone or, um, it's under it, I can see it there, but everyone have an iPhone or Google, you have this thing called Alexa or Siri, thank you, Patrick. Patrick, you have this thing called, you know, Siri on your phone, kind of talk to it and you can say, hey, Siri, what's the weather today? And it would tell you. Yeah, we have a lot of faith that that would work, right, when we talk to it. Like just instinctively, we were like, all right, yeah, hey, Siri, What's the weather today? Hey, Google, play, you know, same God by Elevation Worship. We have so much faith in these products without even realizing it. But my question is, do we have the same faith when we pray to God? Because we, we can look at the, these things all the time very quickly and go, and just know that it's supposed to work. We don't even question it. And then we get kind of a little annoyed when it doesn't hear us properly or it doesn't work correctly. But how are we... How's our attitude and our faith towards God? Because we blindly put faith in these things. But when we pray, sometimes we're very hesitant or not sure that God's going to work on our behalf. And I really want to kind of focus in on that. And 
that leads me to our point or statement here today is we have to have faith when we pray. That should be the core foundation of our prayers is faith because it's fundamentally built into everything we do as Christians. We have to have faith that Jesus died on the cross for our sins. We have to have faith that when we pray, God is going to move and he is for us. And James 5 is really pushing all of that together here and showing that to us. He's giving us kind of a direct lineup, per se, of if we pray and have faith, the Lord will raise anyone who is sick up or we'll see. He's basically saying, if you are praying in faith, God's going to move on that behalf of what you're praying for. You just have to start at the beginning with pray with faith. You have to have faith that God is going to move for you. Now, I preface, sometimes what we're looking for, we don't always get in the way we want it. Let me preface that. Sometimes God has a different idea or a different plan, but he still is faithful and is going to move. And we have to trust him in that. And then I want to continue kind of going on to where where it, where it talks about a, um, talks about having faith to make a change, and that would be at the end of verse fifteen. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. That's the change part that that comes. If we're looking to have faith, and we're praying, and we're looking to heal people, but also we're looking at that in the broader spectrum of our life, we have to have faith that we can make those changes in our life where God is calling us. Like, hey, God, you know, I'm really want to be better with my patience. Now everyone knows you don't really want to pray for patience because God's going to test you. But you have to have faith to actually work on that because if we're not, we're just praying and not stepping out in that faith, we're kind of crippling the process. And we're going to touch into that a little bit later. But, and Paul, he's talking about all these things, not Paul, James is talking about all these things and he's kind of lining up with this idea that, Paul writes in when he talks about if we are all children from Abraham, if Christ is in them. So if Christ is in us and we're all children of Abraham and we're all praying in faith and we all believe in Jesus Christ being our Lord and Savior, then we're all one. So we have faith to believe that. We believe that Father Abraham, you know, everyone kind of came down the line and we get to Jesus and Jesus saves us. He's our Savior. He gave us the greatest victory that we have. But we have faith to believe that at the beginning. The core foundation of all that is faith. And it, I, I wanted to bring up Father Abraham because it goes beyond just Christ. We have to have faith that what the Bible tells us is truth. So from a biblical, when we break faith down from a biblical standpoint or sense, the definition of it actually is a sense of resilience or trust. So we, faith doesn't just mean to trust God, but it also means we have to have resilience when things don't seem to look the way that we want them to. Or when times aren't as easy, we have to have the, our faith has to be resilient through those times. You know, we often talk about the wind and the waves moving us or it being a little hard, those, that storm. But our faith should be resilient through that storm in Christ, knowing that he is going to get us through it. James says it, himself and he gives us this idea that a faith that stands on a firm foundation God is going to provide but we have to be standing on the firm foundation that is Christ Jesus first and foremost that firm foundation is one that is unshakable that beat death and beat the grave and overall has never lost so we have to be walking in victory with that 
if we're not walking in victory proclaiming that, then of course sometimes when things get hard, we're going to tend to try to fix it on our own because we're not believing in what Christ has already done for us and what he's continuing to do for us. And it's, it, he, and then James pivots at the end of this in verse 17 and 18. He does this kind of pivot. So he's talking about prayer, talking about praise. And then he kind of turns and goes this way. And he brings up this man called Elijah. He says, Elijah was a human being, even as we are. He prayed earnestly that it would not rain. And it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again, he prayed. And the heavens gave rain and the earth produced crop. So, why does he bring that up? That's my question. Why is this pivot all of a sudden from the focus of faithful prayers and a righteous person? And It's because he's proving a point to us. Because when we think about Elijah, or when the people back then thought about Elijah, he was this great prophet, this great man. But they kind of held him all too high. James is reminding us that Elijah was just a human being, just like each one of us. And he prayed and the rain did not come for three and a half years. And then when he prayed for God to send the rain, it came down again. So he's showing us that Elijah was not a different being than us. He wasn't greater or more powerful or more holy. He just had faith that God was going to move when he prayed. And that's the same type of faith we should have when we're praying. We should not be afraid, but we should kind of call, as you know, people say, call down heaven when we need God to move on our behalf. And those are the type of prayers that stop the rain. But he even says the faith of a mustard seed can see a mountain moved. But it, the key word there is the faith. Faith has to be at the core of our prayers. And Elijah is, is a man that was revered highly back in the day because he was a great prophet. He kind of seen, you, everyone sees all these things through him and James is just being, being able to pivot for them to remind them, look at the Old Testament. Look at what he did by praying in faith. But also remember, he was just like each one of us. And if he's just like each one of us, then we can sit there and we can go, all right, God, if he can do it, and I've got Christ in me, and he has given me the victory over death, because Elijah didn't even have Christ yet. Christ hadn't come. Now, James is telling us, Christ is already here. He inhibit, inhabits us. His spirit is in our body when we accept him. And Christ has given us the victory. Then why are we praying in faith like Elijah? Why are we wanting to see God move in spectacular ways. And he's kind of urging us to have the same faith as Elijah because we're well equipped. God has made sure of that. He's made sure we have the victory. So why are we stopping? Why are we so hesitant to trust God with those problems or those issues? We should be calling God down like Elijah did. Hey, God, this is what I need. This is where I need you. This is where I'm at. But he also points out with Elijah that Elijah went to action. It doesn't, he didn't just say, hey, here's Elijah, and he didn't want it to rain, so he just stood there, and Elijah prayed, and then he made it stop. Because it's, secondly, we should be, our prayer should lead us to action, to step out, to walk in that victory. It's, you know, praying with faith means that when we pray, we start moving like God has given us that victory. And, you know, there's a great example of this, and there's, you guys know this great man named Joshua in the Old Testament? You know, we kind of view him as a great commander. He led the armies. He picked up the, say, the leadership role after Moses had passed. And yet he wasn't really that 
he didn't believe all those things for himself. You know, he struggled with insecurities with, to, honestly, to be courageous, to step out. It says in Joshua 1 that God had to remind him three times, be strong and be courageous for I am with you. God says that to him three times. And in one of them, he even says, be very strong and very courageous. He has to remind him, like, hey, the same God that was with Moses, I am with you. Anything that I, the promise I made to Moses, I make with you as well. He says this to Joshua in Joshua 1. But yet Joshua still had these struggles. And every time we kind of see Joshua getting ready to do something, God normally has to remind him, the victory is yours. I've given it to you. I am for you. Trust me, I've already handed them over into your hands. Because Joshua was the great commander. He went and fought victory after victory. But God always reminded him at the beginning, I am with you. Do not be hesitant. I am for you. Be strong and be courageous. Go in my will. God says this constantly. But even then, when we look at Joshua 10, 8 through 15, it says the Lord said to Joshua, again, right here you go, do not be afraid of them. I've given them into your hand. Not one of them will be able to withstand you. So this is where they're marching into Gigal, and Joshua took them by surprise, and he's up against the Gigal and his entire army, and they had completely defeated them by the time they'd hit Gibeon. And I know this army is just in confusion because God sent them there, but I like the beginning of that is God had already told Joshua at the beginning, I am for you. I've given them into your hand. Just go. And Joshua just goes. But it's in verse 12 that I want to really focus on here. It says, The Lord gave the Amorites over to Israel, and Joshua said, In the presence of the Lord. So he's praying to God right here. He knows the Lord's with him, and he can feel the Lord's presence on him. And he stops and he prays, and he says, Sun, stand still over Gibeon. And you, moon, over the valley of Iagelon. I'm going to butcher that. I apologize. That is a hard thing to say. And the sun stood still and the moon stopped till the, nation, till the nation avenged itself on its enemies as it is written in the book of Jasher. The sun stopped in the middle of the sky and delayed going down about a full day. There has never been a day like it before or since when the Lord listened to a human being. Surely the Lord was fighting for Israel and then Joshua returned with all of Israel to the camp at Gigal. You see, Joshua started to move after he hit that prayer though because it says that he ran... It says later that they ran down the armies. It didn't just, he didn't say, all right, God, make them stand still, and then we're just going to stand here. He prayed in faith and said, God, all right, I feel you. You said you're going to give it to me, but here's what I need for the victory. Moon, don't move. Sun, you don't move either. And he holds them up so they could have light to chase them down. They're on the run. You know, the armies are fleeing, and the Israelites haven't completely gotten the victory yet. So Joshua says, God, hold them still for a minute. And he, they take off running. The action was accompanied by the faith. faith. Faith and prayer, and then they took off running. All right, we're not done yet. The victory isn't claimed yet, so God hold it still so I can keep on going. Our faith should lead us to that type of action. Saying, all right, God, in this situation, I'm going to live joy-filled because even though I don't feel joy-filled, I know that you're going to be with me and the victory is going to be there, so I'm going to be laughing, I'm going to be dancing. No matter what the prognosis is, I'm going to walk in that victory that you have given me. Because our spirits should not be timid and fearful. Our spirits should be courageous, bold, and loud, and filled with joy because we have the ultimate victory. We have the faith that goes beyond the moon and the sun. Do you realize that if, 
and to I'll further back up this story and something I learned in college, this isn't in my notes, but I want to talk about it. And the Mesopotamian culture, they have a story in an instance where they thought the world was ending because the moon didn't rise and the sun didn't set in their day. And I don't know about you, but you could, it was dated similarly back around the time the story of Joshua happened. So right there's uh, another instance on the other side of the world that this wasn't just happening where Israel was at, but the whole world was experiencing something like this. And when we pray and we're moving in faith in our prayers and we're praying, hey God, this person at my job, I need you to move through them. I need you to just give me the conversation. Allow me to start pouring in. We should start moving in it like God's going to do it because I promise you he does. I promise you God's going to have a situation where you can share the word with somebody, but we have to first be willing to step out in faith to have that conversation. I can't be praying, God, let me see this person saved, but I never talk to them about Jesus. I never step out to actually see them saved. I step out to pray for them in my private time and behind closed doors, but I'll never stop and when they just have a loved one pass, I'll never say, hey man, can I pray for you? Hey man, what do you need? How can I help you? I don't go farther than I'll pray for you in my private, but I won't push in public. We need to be pushing in public. Our culture is requiring us as Christians to be more vocal, to be more bold. We used to lead culture and kind of define how things work, but that's no longer the case. We as the church, Big C, not Painsville, but the church has kind of taken a backbone to culture and we have kind of gotten quiet. We've kind of let culture define the narrative and say how things are going to go, and yet we need to be loud and vocal. We need to be telling people, hey, you know, this is, now, politely, politely, remember, we show in love and grace, Christ says move love and grace, but we need to be living lives that call, God can call righteous so they can see how we live is better. How can I, someone agree to live and take this righteous lifestyle and to believe in Christ if when we're outside of these church doors, we're not living like that. If we're living complete opposites and we're living just like secular people on the outside, then we come on a Sunday morning and everything, all of a sudden I'm the perfect Christian. But our faith and boldness only comes from our prayers. And our prayers are only powerful and effective when there's faith attached to them and we're living righteous lives. James broke that down in James 5. And Joshua is showing us here that if we want to see victory, per se, if we want to see God move, we have to step out. We got to be willing to follow that prayer up. And I love the fact that Joshua constantly was struggling with courage and faith because it shows that he was just human, just like us too. It shows that he was just like us, where we'll have struggles, we'll have doubts, we'll have things that just kind of make us not feel like we're actually enough. But yet God reminds Joshua, just like he reminds us today, I am for you, I am with you, you are enough. Go, I have given the victory. And that's why I'm harping on it. I know you guys are probably thinking, stop talking about it, but I need us to have the understanding that if we want to see God take victory in a situation, we have to be positioned for him to do that. The positioning only comes when we take time to prepare. If you're going to go, and spiritual warfare is a huge thing, but if you're going to go into battle, are you going to be positioned 
behind the king. No, if you're a foot soldier, you're going to be up in front. But they, before they get up in front, they t- take time to train, to practice. That's all in private. So when the battle day comes, they're not struggling to swing a sword or lift it. They've already done that in private. So our prayer life has to be strong. We have to be spending time in prayer and worship music, worship. Spend time just sitting and listening to God. These are things that strengthen our walk. And yet if we aren't doing these things when we try to get to action or we try to go further, it feels like we're empty when we try to pour out because we haven't been filling ourselves with God's great impouring and in the word. We have to be in the word constantly and praying because that's where our foundational faith starts to get harder and stronger because we start to understand God is more than just what we think he is. And then that action may show in many ways in our lives, but that action needs to be without doubt backed by our faith like Joshua. Joshua had doubt, but when he got to the time and place when God called him to move, he moved without doubt. He moved in victory. I don't care if you have doubt or you have struggles. That's okay. God says that's okay. But when God's calling you to move, you need to move like that doubt ain't there. You got to move like God's already got the victory. And he's saying, go, I'm sending you, go. And we just walk in it because that's what God calls us to do. Walk in what I call you to and I promise I'll see you through it. And then that brings me to our kind of final statement here. Faithful action leads to answers. And this is when we're putting our faith and our action to our faith, we will see answers. Now, those answers may not show up the way we look like, want them to, or we may have envisioned the answers a little bit differently, but it always comes. But we have to know that the glory and victory won by Jesus Christ on the cross who died for us, beat death and proclaimed victory and glory for us. He stole that for us. He beat death for us has already been won in the move, walking in that, and walking in the glory in God and this, walking in the spirit with the spirit-filled joy and overflowing goodness of the Lord only comes when the beginning step is followed. You have to know him to have these things be abundant, to be spending time privately and building your relationship with him. It is not something that we pick up on Sunday and that's it. Sunday and Wednesday is something that we have to live day in and day out because God wants a friendship. He wants a closeness with you. That's why in Genesis it talked about him walking in the garden with Adam and Eve because he didn't want separation. He wanted a closeness. He wanted to be close just like he wants to be close to us. And we have to, when we're close with him, we start to have this outflowing or over outpouring to people where our attitude is constantly happy and smiling and we're just overjoyed because God is just so good no matter the situation. We just begin to proclaim God, glory is your name no matter what is going on. And you know who did that great? You know who lived a life just like that? Man, it's a guy named David. Everyone knows David, the little shepherd boy, the guy after God's own heart. But yet, David really kind of, he messed up. Yeah, he did. David messed up. And yet he still gets to known after the man after God's own heart because he went back to what he was doing beforehand. Spend private time with God and spending that closeness. Spending that time to build his relationship back with him. 
You know, it says he danced before the eyes of the Lord because he was overfilled with joy of what God was doing. When's the last time we've taken time to dance in front of the eyes of the Lord? When's the last time we've taken time to just be loud and be joyful and cry out praise to God? Like, God, thank you for doing this. God, thank you for waking me up in the morning because I, sometimes I struggle, you know? But I, there's this really funny story that I like to talk about when I talk about seeing our prayerful action lead to answer. And it goes to 1 Samuel 17, you know, David and Goliath. But I like when Samuel, in Samuel, Saul and David are talking just before David goes to battle Goliath, and they're kind of talking, and Saul's like, man, you can't go. David's like, why can't I? God's going to give me the victory. And Saul's like, do you know how big you are? He's huge. My whole army won't even move. And David's like, who are you talking to? You don't know who I am. You don't know what I've done. And you don't obviously don't trust my God and have faith to watch him give me this victory. David kind of starts talking to Saul like he isn't the king. He, and then that's just, this is my interpretation. Keep, please keep in mind, I read the Bible like it's a living, breathing story, so I enjoy. David was getting sassy with it because Saul is talking to him like he can't. He's watched his whole army for all this time not move and be fearful. And here comes this little shepherd boy saying, hey, I'm going to go handle him. And then he puts his armor on him and it won't even fit. He goes, I can't fight in this because he has no experience in that. Do you know why? Because in private, it says that, I want to tone in on this because this is my favorite part when he's talking to Saul. He says, the Lord rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear. He will rescue me from the hand of this Philistine. You notice how he's pointing directly at God, not him. He's not saying I will handle this Philistine because I handled the lion and the bear. He said God delivered me from those things. So I'm going to go and I, he's going to deliver me from the Philistine. But do you notice that he, when he's in the story, when he's talking about Saul's like, here's my armor, he says, I can't use that. Why? Because he didn't practice with that. When God was using him in the field, he was practicing with a sling and a stone. Because what you do in private and in the field when no one's looking is what you see and God's going to use in public. Because if you're not practicing it in private, God can't use it in public. If you're wanting God to use your faith to step out, is your faith being practiced in private? If when no one's looking and the door's shut, are you actually living a righteous and effective life? David lived that type of life. He lived, spent the time in the field by himself. It's when Samuel came to anoint him, Jesse didn't even call for him. But David did not pay that any mind. You see... David began to proclaim this victory for God before the battle was even started. He walked up carrying a lunch for his brothers. He's like, I can't even stand this man. He hears Goliath yelling. He's like, this man got to get up out of here. I'm done. I'm sick. Why is no one handling this? And he walks up to Saul like, where's your man, Saul? Why aren't we doing this? All right, I'm going to do it myself. But he didn't say I'm going to do it myself. He said, God's going to send me and God's going to do it for me. And he, my, he stepped out in faith, and the Lord moved through that. But even so, I want to focus on 45 to 47 when he's talking to Goliath, because he does such a great point. David does such a great point at how our lives and our attitudes should be when we're stepping into situations, and when the situations feel far greater than what we think. He says, David said to the Philistine, 
You come against me with sword, spear, and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord God Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel whom you have defied. This day the Lord will deliver you into my hands, and I will strike you down and cut off your head. This is the day I will give your carcass of the Philistine army to the birds and the wild animals. The whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves, for the battle is the Lord's, and he will give all of you into our hands." Do you notice how each time he's proclaimed before he says any of them fall into his hand, he said the Lord will do it. He doesn't say that the armies of Israel will defeat them. He doesn't say that he's going to defeat Goliath by his hand. He said, no, God will give him into his hand because it is what God has allowed. Because it is what God will do because the armies of God are at the forefront. But David just had to kind of give them Give them a little pep in their step. They got a little quiet for a second. David had to wake them back up. And even to the point of, you know that, everyone always talks about this, and I love to bring this up too. David grabbed five stones. Goliath had four brothers. So he was already prepared for the other four, and he only knew he needed one for Goliath. Man, talk about walking in victory and faith, trusting God. He said, all right, I don't care how many you are. I'll make sure to get each and every one of the last one of you because that's what my God's going to allow me to do. Each time he talks and he's speaking to Goliath, he makes sure he says, my Lord, my God, pointing right back that when victory will be given, he's pointing right to God. That should be our attitude. We should be going right back to God with everything. When God does something, when we see God move, when the situation seems too big, hey, my God's going to give me victory. Whatever it looks like, my God's going to give me victory. Hey, you know, this situation, this Goliath per se, I feel like I couldn't beat on my own, but I know my God's already given it to me. You know, these bills seem too high. Well, guess what? God provides. You know, I don't know where I'm supposed to do. I just got unemployed. Guess what? God already has prepared the path. Keep walking. Keep trusting. These are situations that we as humans, when we feel like we've lost control of our lives and the comfortability is gone, we tend to start acting on our own, but we really should be acting when God's will. When we tend to touch the steering wheel of the car, sometimes the car kind of goes out of control. Ever heard that? When God's driving and God's, you know, he's guiding us and we're allowing it, the car seems to be going fine, everything's going great. And as soon as we touch that wheel, because we get a little nervous and our faith begins to shake just a little bit, ten things tend to get a little bit worse because we're not designed to have control. We are just supposed to trust God saying, hey, you said and called me to this, that's where I'm headed. And the attitude it should be the share, the same attitude should be shared with us. My God will move again. David saw his God move in the field. He saw him move in the battlegrounds with Goliath, our attitude should be the same thing with everything. My God's just going to continue to move and provide. We should not be weary, should not be afraid of that because when our God moves, he doesn't stop moving. You know, it says Jacob stacked stones in each place where God had moved for him. For us, that's called our testimony. We can't be afraid to look back at that when times are hard saying, my God moved here, I'm going to have faith he's going to move here again because that's the same attitude that gets us through to the victory when our faith seems to be tired and worn out and we're getting restless. We look back at the past victories to remind us that victory is still coming in the future.
And we may need to also have the understanding that when we ask for everything, the answers don't always look what we want. Because I feel we pray like, God, I, I really want this, and I really need you, but God gives us what's better for us in the long run that we don't understand now. Sometimes we, because we only see 2020, God sees linear. You know, you know that he's outside of time so he can see what's going to come, what's before, what's after. So he plays the whole thing out and he gives us what's best. So understanding that when you're praying, you, you may not get what you thought you were going to get, but God's still answering your prayer. You just have to wait normally till you get to the other side of that. And then you're like, well, you look back and you're like, oh, yeah, that's, thank you, God. You know, that's exactly what I needed. I didn't even know it. That's, but you still prayed and God still moved because he wants what's best for us. And I really love that song, Same God. And the line is that is, I may not face Goliath, but I've got my own struggles. I've got my own giants. And we all have our own struggles or giants, but so did Elijah, Joshua, and David. So did all three of these great guys I've just talked about, but yet what did they all have in common? Before they move or acted, what did they first do? They prayed and stepped out in faith with God. They had an understanding that God was the point, that their faith was anchored so deep in him that no matter what was going on, he was going to do it for them. He was going to go before them. He was going to prepare the victory. And we already have that victory, and yet we don't walk like it half the time. We are so quiet and nimble-footed that no one really hears us or hears how we're living. Our life should be a testament. It should be a Lauren Lion like David. He danced and jumped around. I don't remember the last time I got, <laughs> I've seen that in people just overflowing in a great crowd. I can, when we're here, I see everybody jumping around. I'm, listen, my challenge, I'm challenging you guys this week because I see us when we're in this building all jumping around and all shouting down, yes, dear Lord, that's it, that's good, Jesus. But are we are we really doing that when people are watching, though, outside of the church building? Is our life and our spirit screaming that even though our voice isn't, but our spirit is? You gotta understand that your spirit tends to curry favor with other people. Your spirit kind of brings people towards you or it drives them away. Your spirit should be filled with love and joy. People should want to be around you. I'm just going to be honest. I know some of us be like, hey, I don't, God, don't say that. I don't want to be around people. But when God's spirit is overflowing in us, people want to be around you. I, there's like five people on my hand that I just love to be around. Every time I see them, because they've got this overflowing and abundance with God. Every time I see them, hey, how's it going, man? I'm so good to see you. It's so blessed. What a blessed day. That's how they talk to me all the time. And it makes me just, yeah, man, it is a blessed day. Yeah, it is a good day because when our spirit and our time with God spent correctly, that's how we act. And you know how many more, how many, how much people want to be around that? Because they're like, I don't understand why he's so joyful or why he's so happy, but I like that. I want to be around that. I like the positivity that comes with it, but really it's our spirit and the Lord and the outpouring of the fruits of the spirit that they're seeing. And... Their faith was also greater, though, than their fear, and it, and it overshadowed their doubts. Their faith was greater than their fear and overshadowed their doubts. Even though they had it and it might have been there, 
it was still far greater that their faith was still far greater than it. But once again, it only comes because they spent enough private time to get there. And we not, may not be looking at the same situations as David, Elijah, or Joshua. But I know we all could probably think of one situation in our lives right now where we just need God to move. Or we just need God to show up and just have faith that he's going to give victory in it. But are we willing to come up here and pray about it? Are we willing to step on faith to come to the altars and let God, you and God talk through it? And to really push in in public when people can see us? And you may say it's a little weird, I don't want people looking at me. Hey, power to you, but we should have faith to step out. This is a great place. This is an open judgment zone. Catch me weeping on this pew the other day. Why? Because I'd rather be up here in the presence of the Lord than anywhere else. I'll step out in faith no matter how crazy I look. My youth students at camp are joking around with me. Pastor Nick, man, you worship and you just don't care what people look at you. I'm like, no, I don't. What are you going to say? I'm jumping up and down. I look goofy. Well, great. That means I'm having my time. But I want to start to close out and I want to leave some time for the worship team to come on up and I want to open the altars because I know that all of us got some situation where we just need to drop it here and just say, God, I'm leaving it to you. And I'm going to say, God, you're going to give me the victory and I proclaim that in your name and I'm going to walk out in that. And we just got to leave some things at the altar and let God handle it. We got to give some time for God to actually look at us and to work in it. Sometimes we want the answer tomorrow. The answer can't come, can't come tomorrow, but half the time we won't see it that way. We need to drop it at the altar and just start walking through it. God's going to handle it, just we'll give it into his hands. Stop like semi-giving it, you know, where people pass out batons, like we are a track runner, and you're just kind of holding it still, and God's still trying to move with it. You got to fully let go. You have to fully give God into that situation, give that situation to God. So I'm going to pray in the word altar team's going to be up here to pray with you guys and I just want to see God move and I want to see us have the faith to see God move to see God fully move in our lives in every situation Father God I pray that you would just begin to fill us God begin to ground our faith in the fundamental truth God that is built in you Jesus Christ that the victory in the battle was won God that you are for us, Father. I pray for each and every one of these people here, God, that whatever situation they're going through, that they would have a faith grounded in you, God, so strong that it would not be moved by the situation, but that you would be there with them, God, that you would show them the victory. God, I pray that as we begin to give this altar time that you would push in on the hearts of those that just need prayer, that need you to come and fill them, God. I pray this in your holy name. Thank you for listening to today's podcast. We pray that you're encouraged by this message. For more information about Painesville Assembly of God, visit PainesvilleAG.com.